Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Stephanie. Hi, uh, I'm Stephanie M, a compulsive overeater, exercise bulimic. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Um, it's an honor to speak at this meeting. This is uh, these podcasts are the thing that I listen to compulsively uh, <laughs> when I first came into program, and um, I had an hour commute at the time to and from work, and that like got me through. And I I don't do well when I commute, so it it like saved my life. Uh, getting into OA, but also just not murdering somebody on the 405. So, um, super grateful. And um, I guess I'll just do the what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, I came into to qualify. I came into OA. It'll be four years ago on January 11th. Um, and I have a little over two years of abstinence from binging. And now I don't eat my alcoholic ingredients, which are it's mainly sugar and then things like high-fat dairy and fried foods. Uh, so what it was like, I think I was born a compulsive overeater. Or, yeah, I was born a compulsive overeater, and I think that like trauma triggered that, and how I dealt with trauma was by feeding myself. Um, and I... Uh, I was an athlete. I was a swimmer. I swam competitively for 11 years, and so it took a long time to show up for me. But it was always there. It was like I, rem- I have memories in childhood of, of, like, sneaking cookie dough, and I remember grabbing a bottle of Italian salad dressing and a whole thing of bread and eating all of it in my room. Um, and I didn't really think anything was right about it because I was an athlete and I was hungry. Uh, but, it again, it caught up with me. Um I, oh, I I spent most of my life trying to lose five pounds, and then ten pounds, and then twenty pounds, and it was just this pendulum of like trying to lose weight, gaining it back, trying to lose weight, and I would control it with exercise, diet pills. I tried everything. Um, I tried throwing up. I could not figure it out, um, but I definitely tried. I have a diary entry for my 16th birthday, and the only thing I wrote about was how I had managed to throw up that day, and I was so excited. Um, and I didn't remember that it was that early. Like, in my 30s, I thought it had been only a few years that I was doing this stuff, and then I found that diary entry, and I was wrong. <laughs> um, but in my 20s, I also found smoking and binge drinking and drugs, and I never found my way into those programs, but that gave me some relief. Like, the food didn't become my thing because I had other things for a while. And it really wasn't until I quit smoking when I was in my early 30s that um, the food was the thing. Uh, And it started to get really bad. Um, And I remember looking around at my friends and seeing them hit milestones, you know, like they were settling down with people, like finding their person, uh, getting their dream jobs, moving up in their careers, um, buying property, getting out of debt. And I wasn't doing any of those things. Uh, and I just felt really stuck. 
and broken and childish, and I couldn't figure out what to do about it. And uh, and I ate over it, and I um, I was really, really, really selfish and self-centered and mean, and I was not taking accountability for any of my actions. I couldn't understand why I was why I was struggling in my job. I couldn't understand why I kept making lateral moves in my career. Um, friendships. I have I have some friendships that have lasted for 20 years, but I definitely was going through friends left and right. I was moving to get out of myself. Um, I would go on vacation to get out of myself. I would dread coming back to my life. I remember every trip I'd ever taken, I was crying always on the way home. I didn't want to come back to my life because I hated myself. And I definitely thought it was everyone else's fault. Like, I really needed to be fixed or rescued. Um, and I thought... It was definitely my mom's fault for a long time, even when I first came into OA. I spent the first few years trying to figure out, like, what it was, when it happened, what she did to cause this, because then maybe I could fix it and it wouldn't be one of us anymore. And thankfully, I'm not doing that anymore. It took a while. but um, And that was, like, when the real recovery started for me. But I'll stick with what it was like for now. Um Oh, I, I did all the things, like cool sculpting, freeze the fat. I'm sure some of you have heard of that. I remember taking diet pills, and um, and the doctor gave them to me, said, just whatever you do, no caffeine. And by the end, they were stopping working, so I was drinking those in Diet Coke, and I could feel my heart pounding out of my chest, and I didn't care because I needed to stay skinny. Um exercise, so much exercise. I have so many injuries today just from over exercising and then also I just I remember I was always lying I was lying about everything and I would get really thin and it's you know we're in LA so I would not eat for four days and call it fasting and everyone was like cool that's awesome (laughs) you know and I would do a lot of yoga um, but on the inside I was so miserable and I would do this all week and then I would go to happy hour with friends I'd have two drinks, I'd say I was going home, and then on the way home I would stop at 7-Eleven, Whole Foods, and uh, and I would order a pizza, because not one of those things by themselves was enough food. Um, And then I would hide in my room, and I had a roommate who had moved here from New York, who was my best friend from college, and she left four months later, because she could not be around me, because I could not be around her or her food. I was mean. Um, and that almost ruined our, ruined our friendship. Fortunately, we're still friends today, but it was awful. Um, so this is, I think I was like 36, uh, and things had gotten really bad. I was about to get fired from my job. Actually, a couple months into OA, I had a really um, conversation with my boss, and I said, I think you want to fire me. And he said, yep. And he couldn't because he hadn't documented anything yet. Like, he hadn't started giving me... Um, what are those called? Pips. Uh, but anyway, I my friend had already left. My like best friend, who I thought was going to come to LA and rescue me, like she was going to fix me because now I would have a best friend here and that would make it all okay. And I'd also spent the entire year getting really thin, the thinnest I'd been in a long time, from doing back to back hot yoga classes uh, and and fasting. Um, and I was trying to date my best guy friend, this guy John, who was not interested in me. I spent the entire year trying to date him and denying that I had feelings for him, and then I convinced him to go with me to France, which is while we were on, on our trip in France is when he got back together with his ex. And I came home, and I gained 40 pounds in four months, and I was miserable. And again, I just hated myself, and it was everyone else's fault. 
and I could not stop eating. And that was when the, like, truly the 7-Eleven Whole Foods pizza thing um, took off. And it wasn't just Fridays. It was, like, two or three times a week, and then it was more. And, oh, God, I just hated myself. And uh, fortunately, a friend of mine was celebrating five years in AA. She asked all of us, like our LA friend group, to come and give her a candle And I went to the meeting, and I was mind-blown. I thought I had so many ideas about what it was going to be. I thought it was going to be, like, grimy and a lot of people I didn't relate to. And I just, I was up on a pedestal and looking down. And it wasn't that at all. It was fun and cool. And the speaker happened to be very attractive. Um, And it was just, I needed that because I thought, as much as I hated myself, like, I was also the best. Um, And... And it opened my eyes. And years earlier, I had mentioned to a therapist uh, that I had had a big food day, which is what I was—I would call it. Uh, and she asked if I'd ever heard of OA, and I laughed in her face. And it was, uh, you know, out the window. I was not interested. But that—that that brought it back up for me. And I—and at the time, I remember being at that meeting, being like, "Oh, if I was only an alcoholic, <laughs> that would, you know, if only I was an alcoholic." And then I had one more trip. Uh, and vacation was always the place where I could stop. Like, I could stop the eating. I was on vacation. I got to, like, be the person that I thought I couldn't be in real life. And I went to South Africa on this incredible, incredible trip, and I could not stop eating the whole time I was there. I was stealing food from the people we were staying with. Um, and that was it. It was just, it was, like, the, the thing that was always going to, um, that was, like, off limits, that, like, food couldn't touch was me on vacation, and then that had that suddenly was different. So I got back from that vacation, and on my grandma's birthday, January 11th, I went to my first OA meeting. And it was at 1 p.m. on a Thursday in the cottage. And it's ironic because uh, the person who was speaking that day is actually here tonight, and she took a candle. Um, so uh, another fellow likes to say, is it odd or is it God? Um <laughs> And this is my, also my, you guys missed it because it was on the podcast, but her first time back to an in-person meeting since before the pandemic. Mine, too. It's my first time back to an in-person meeting. Again, such an honor. Um, but, of course, that night, I, before coming to the meeting, I, I Googled Overeaters Anonymous. And I answered the questions. There's like 20 questions. Are you a compulsive overeater? Because I needed to be sure. And I answered yes to almost every single one. Um, and so I came. I came to the meeting. It was at 1 o'clock. I knew if I had planned to go after work, I wouldn't go. So I, I blocked off my calendar, and I went to the meeting, and I cried the whole time. And I really, really hated how much I related to everyone, but also I was like, I just knew this was my home. Um, I felt, I was so relieved. I was so relieved because I knew I was home. Um, and everything has changed since then. Like, every part of my life is fundamentally different because of this program and for the better. And it wasn't, like, a straight path. You know, it wasn't like I got to the rooms and I was magically abstinent and, boom, I'm a new person. I floundered a lot. Um, And so at first I, I got a sponsor. She's the first person who spoke to me and said she gave me her number. She was incredible. And I asked her to be my sponsor, and she took me through the steps. And... Honestly, I, I got abstinent, but it, my abstinence was um, three meals a day, two snacks, no binging. And so for me, a meal was a plate of food, and it was a, I mean, it was a pile. It was a pile of food. But that's what I needed to do. You know, I wasn't binging. I had stopped the three stops on the way home. 
Um, and that was enough. And I think I gained weight my first year in program. At that point, I was my highest weight ever. I think I, I think at most it would have been 60 pounds that I had to lose. Um, but it was just the, you know, the not binging in a room by myself at night. That was enough to give me some hope. And also, the other thing that that really um, impacted me was the honesty. I remember that first meeting, hearing the speaker, hearing another woman who I'm close with now. Still, it's so incredible, too, to see so many familiar faces and people that were there when I came in and knowing that this program works because we stay. Um, but another woman shared, and the stuff she was talking about, I, I would have never admitted that to anyone, let alone a room of people. And she was saying these things with grace, and and I could tell that it made her feel good. And it just had never occurred to me, to be honest, ever. Like, ever. Um, I lied about everything. And, um, and I'm so glad that I noticed that right away because I came in there prepared to lie. Like, I wanted everyone to know how much I was a victim and all of the bad things that had happened to me. Nothing in my life has been easy, but also I didn't need to be rescued. Um, and that actually is what I was looking for for my first sponsor. I really thought that she was supposed to rescue me. And I can't imagine it was easy to sponsor me in the beginning, but she was amazing. And after uh, the fifth step, I left uh, her as a sponsor. I didn't leave away. But I found another sponsor because I really wanted someone uh, who had what I wanted, and that was anorexia. I wanted, I didn't want to, I didn't want recovery. I just wanted like a different route. And I thought if I had a sponsor whose background was anorexia, that that would help me figure that out. Um, also, it was still eating sugar and dessert for meals, and um, I just, I had more eating to do, frankly. I had more eating to do. And it really wasn't until my second year in program that I started hearing things like alcoholic ingredients, uh, entire abstinence, and that's probably not because they weren't being said in the rooms. They probably were. I just wasn't hearing them. I wasn't ready to hear them. I wasn't ready to listen. Um, but in that time, even though my absence was weird and I was, like, trying to find sponsors who weren't really recovered, everything in my life got better. My job, I went from about to get fired to um, being promoted twice at that company. Um, and now I've been at my absolute dream job. I love this company so much. I love my role. It's important to me. I've been there for two years. Um, and my friendships got better. I repaired relationships that I had really messed up. That one friendship, the friend who left, uh, we were close again. And so things got better. And I was so focused, though, I couldn't even tell that it was happening. Like, it was just happening. I heard a lot of, like, act as if. And worked. I worked the steps. Like, my hair was on fire. And I was so obsessed with the fact that I didn't lose any weight that I really wasn't even aware of the fact that everything was getting better until, like, all of a sudden I looked around. And I was like, whoa, things are really good. Um, and I'm so grateful for that, too, because I think if I had lost the weight right away, I don't know that I would have stayed, because that's what I thought was the most important. I was convinced that my boss didn't like me because I was fat. Convinced. And lo and behold, I gained weight, and I got two promotions at that job. So I was wrong. Um, and I think that's, like, the recurring theme in my life is I was wrong. I don't know anything, and it's always a blessing. Like, it's always the best the best information I found out, because whatever idea I had was limiting and childish and just not very loving for me, to me, to anyone else. Um, and, you know, that's what I got. Like, that's what I got from my childhood. My mom is one of us. She's never going to come into these rooms. God, I wish she would come into these rooms. She would be so much happier. I don't think it's going to happen. 
but also I don't need her to be okay for me to be okay. I don't have to punish her anymore for the childhood that I got, for the childhood I didn't get, for the food, like the things that I saw her do with food that gave me ideas. Like none of that matters. And um, the less time I spend thinking about that, the better I am, the better our relationship is. My relationship with my mom has improved. Um, so, yeah, so what happened? I had 13 months of abstinence. I broke it. Uh, I, I benched. I just, I benched. And I, I remember doing it. I remember thinking, like, it would be nice. The line from the big book. It would be nice. Um, and so I broke my abstinence. I also knew that what I was doing with that sponsor wasn't working. Um, it didn't work for us. For me, and this is just my experience, I really need to work with someone who has my same experience. Same way that I, I don't think I could ever sponsor an anorexic because I just don't know what that's like. Um, and so I got a new sponsor. I restarted my time. I started working the steps again. Um, and, and then I started to hear the... Um, entire abstinence, alcoholic ingredients, and I finally put down sugar, but I was still playing around with all of its substitutes, stevia, honey, uh, you know, and I I spent another year trying to eat those things sanely, um, and, and still my life got better, and, um, and COVID happened, and my life got better, which is so wild, um, and I will say, like, Living in a pandemic is awful. It is awful. Uh, there's so many bad things that have happened in these last two years. But it, for me, Zoom meetings um, have have been so, so helpful. I cannot believe how many meetings I'm in today because you can just pop in. Um, and I, to be fair, you have to have your camera on. You have to participate. Otherwise, you're not there. Um, and I've, I've always loved lurking. But in this program, that doesn't work. Um, but it just, you know, the opportunity to have more time to work this program, to connect with fellows, to, to be in these rooms with people who know exactly what my life is like, exactly what it's like to be one of us, I wouldn't give that up for anything. And I spent so much time when I first got in here um, not wanting to be here. Like, I knew I was in the right place, this is home, but also, like, how can I get out of here? Um, and that's not the case anymore. It's really not. I'm so grateful I don't know how people did this this last two years without a 12-step program, frankly. Um, so, so yeah. So, and then this past year, um, I was dating someone. Things were, again, my life is big. It's abundant. It's really good. I still, all of this time, had 20 pounds to lose and was really focused on that. But, you know, also, life is good. Uh, and I, we went on our first vacation and the whole time he was there, we were there, he had brought all these snacks, and they were driving me crazy. And his food was driving me crazy, and I just didn't want him there. And we were driving home from this vacation. He said, are you sure you even like me? Because sometimes you're really mean. And I knew exactly what he was talking about uh, because I, had, I was furious at him for being there because I wanted to eat all the food he brought. I couldn't let him leave me alone because then I would eat all the food he brought. And, um, and I was abstinent, but I felt insane. And that was the thing. Like I, I, I found myself in the beginning of this year saying things like, technically I'm abstinent, but I feel insane. Like, I am obsessed with food. This can't be, this can't be it. And so much of my first three years, in, in a way, were that. My abstinence was me sitting on my hands. It was really painful. It was like, don't eat no matter what. You know, gripping, gripping or whatever. 
Um, and, and again, I was hearing entire abstinence and alcoholic ingredients. And then I watched two fellows who I'm very close with uh, let go of their alcoholic ingredients and redo the steps through the big book. And they just transformed before my eyes. They went from saying those same things to sharing about the big book, to sharing about gratitude, to sharing about their higher power. And so I asked one of them to take me through the steps, and that was in April. It was like the two days after I got back from that trip, and I was like, my boyfriend's going to break up with me if I don't stop this. And, uh, and so we did. We went through the steps in two months. Uh, I put down those ingredients, and it, again, has been so transformative. And now I can honestly say, like, you hear people in the room say recovered, and there's a lot of... What does it mean? Is it who's really recovered? And, you know, it's the words they use in the big book. And I identify as that now. Like, I call myself a recovered compulsive overeater because I, it's not a thing for me anymore. I had a date this morning, but the guy and I broke up, but it's fine. And not because of my abstinence. Um, but I had a date this morning, and it was a breakfast date, and this guy asked me, if you, what would your last meal be? And before I was recovered, I probably would have said, chocolate chip cookie dough but like not just like a cookie like I want to dive into chocolate chip cookie I want to drown in chocolate chip cookie dough um and it didn't even occur to me this morning I was like I don't know I really like salmon you know (laughs) um and that's like that's the difference for me is I'm not obsessed anymore it's really easy as long as I don't eat those alcoholic ingredients and I just I didn't know I thought abstinence was supposed to be a little bit painful until it wasn't um, so I'm so grateful for that. And really and truly, my recovery has just deepened and my life has gotten better. Like those two things go hand in hand. And I'm never leaving these rooms ever because uh, not only am I home, but like my my life is just incredible. And I I never would have known that service would make it that way. That, like, being of service, being there for someone else, getting out of my head was the thing I needed. Um, Because I have a scarcity mentality, and I think I have to take. Or there's, you know, there's not enough. I have to take, I have to steal, I have to lie, I have to cheat. And so all of this program, this entire program, is so counter to everything that I think is true. Um, And it's, who would have thought? I I definitely didn't know. It's incredible. Um, And so... What haven't I talked about? Higher power. Um, my higher power when I first came in was a loving mom God because I felt like I didn't have that and I was still really focused on fixing my mom. And that's really what I needed at the time. I was so mean to myself. I was mean to myself in my head. I was just hateful. And I needed this loving mom God to, to say otherwise and, you know, tell me that I'm okay. And uh, I have a sponsor in another program now who always reminds me, like, put your hand on your heart and say, I love you, keep going. And that's sort of what this mom God did for me, was just like, I love you, keep going. What if there's nothing else wrong with you? Um, That's the thing I'm contending with now. What if there's nothing else to fix? And now my higher power, it's shifted, it's evolved, and it's abundance. Because like I said, I have a scarcity mentality, and I still think there's not enough. And I still think that I'm not enough, and... If my higher power is abundance, that's out of the question. There's always enough. I'm always going to be okay. Uh, whatever's coming, I can handle it. Because it's not even mine to handle. My higher power has got it. My higher power is abundance. You can't beat that. Um, and I don't know. That really works for me. And I know that it's going to evolve again. 
and and so much of now what I'm what I'm working on is that like what if there's nothing else wrong with me what if there's nothing to fix and then also just like what else can I let go of because like the food was one thing but it's so easy to dive into other things now that the food is down and and to get back into the business of fixing and controlling and um, and that's not where I'm supposed to be um, so what else this is the problem is I talk really fast <laughs> when I'm nervous um, <laughs> thanks for the laugh I have 10 minutes okay so I'll say what else do I need to say um, the big book the big book I did not work the steps out of the big book until um, three years into program and again this was my path this is what I was supposed to do this is where I was supposed to be I'm so grateful for I worked the steps five times in this program because that was the other thing absence was so painful and I just thought like I need another sponsee. I just need to work the steps again. I need, you know, I'm just going to keep doing and doing and doing, and then it'll get okay while still eating my alcoholic ingredients. And again, just my path. This is not everyone's path. But, um, oh, my God, the steps out of the big book. That is magic. And when I first came in, my sponsor had me read the um, doctor's opinion with her, and I hated it. I was like, this is... I'm a woman, first off, and this is not for me, and you know, and just, oh, I just really wanted to be separate and be different and be special, and the more I lean into that and, and find the similarities, because I'm so good at finding the differences, but if I can find the similarities, then again, like, I'm, this is where I belong, I'm home, um, and I actually, I heard someone say in a meeting the other day, uh, the phrase, thank you for walking me home, and that's what this program does for me all the time, um, all the time and it's just I don't think there's anything I can't get through um, and oh that's, this is the other thing I turned 40 this year on Thanksgiving which is like a pretty good reason to binge and um, <laughs> and it was a really good birthday and also not how I wanted to spend my 40th like at all I thought I was going to do something really cool I didn't because we're in a pandemic and it was Thanksgiving but it was such a wonderful day. It was so great that it wasn't, you know, in the past I used to, Thanksgiving was an excuse to binge in public or it was, um, it was the worst day because I was on a diet and this is when it was going to be ruined. And I just wasn't either of those things, which was so cool. And the other thing is that um, I am, I have a lot of, I, have a, I keep saying this, I have a big life today. I have a lot going on. I do a lot of service. I have an incredible job. Um, and I'm also in the process of becoming a foster parent, which is really new and terrifying. I just found out that when you get the call and they say we have a kid for you, you have 20 minutes to make up your mind. That's crazy. Um, but I don't know. I, I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and that I have all the support I need and all I have to do is ask and be honest and say I need help, which is another thing I learned in this program because um, I really thought I had to do everything myself. I was the hero and the victim, and it was all about me. Um, and I don't know. I just, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful. And now I'm just rambling, so I think I'm going to end it there. Get a sponsor, work the steps, turn on your Zoom camera, um, and say you're new. Welcome to the newcomers. Happy birthday, Denise. Um, and I think that's it, I guess, if there's questions. Yeah. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Um, would you mind talking about, um, like, how you developed that um, 
that love for yourself, like when you came in and you talked about having so much self-hatred and, and how, how you cultivate self-love? Yeah, I think I'm supposed to repeat the question. Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, when I Can I talk about how I cultivated self-love for myself from coming from a place of, of so much self-hatred? Ooh. Um, God, you know, I, the big thing that I heard was act as if. Uh, and I, that was so... The first place I did that was at work because I just felt so inadequate, and so I was not showing up at all. And then I was like, why am I not doing better? But I'm not actually working while I'm there. Um, and so I just started working, and people noticed. And I think, you know, the thing it proved was, you know, I thought my boss hated me because I was overweight. And um, and that was the first time that I was like, wow, I really don't know anything. Uh, I just had to work at work, and I would do better. I would get promoted. And also, my boss doesn't care about my weight. Um, and so I think, you know, in those little, like, instances of, like, maybe it's wrong. Maybe everything I think is wrong. Like, the cracks were showing of, like, maybe I'm not the worst. Uh, and then a lot of, you know, seeing other people in the rooms, like, seeing people be honest about struggling. I really i am such a perfectionist. I really, really thought that if I didn't show up perfectly, uh, there wasn't any reason to show up at all. And also, like... That's unlovable. You know, if I'm not perfect, I'm unlovable. Those two things go hand in hand. And um, uh, what I found is that all of the people in the rooms who would talk about struggling or who broke their abstinence or just who talked about, like, not being perfect, like, I loved them more for that. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe the same goes for me. You know, like, I don't talk to anyone the way I talk to myself in my head. So, like, what the heck is that? Uh, and so part of it was just seeing it, you know, like having moments of, like, wait a second, that contradicts everything I think I know. And then also having sponsors tell me, you know, my sponsor now says, um, take it to your higher power. What would your higher power do? Because I also really needed everyone else to tell me what they thought so then I could decide if I thought what they thought was, you know, people please Um So, yeah, it's like pausing taking it to my higher power, um, being, like, meditating, being still with my own thoughts, uh, and also recognizing that, like, I can't control my thoughts, and sometimes they are meaningless, uh, and that's okay, and it's okay to have a feeling that feels stupid, um, so, yeah, any other questions? Yeah. Thanks, Stephanie. So good to hear you. Thank you. Um, what does your meditation practice look like? Oh, what does my meditation practice look like? Is there one? <laughs> um, it's I. It's sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's like I wake up in the morning and I pause and I have this like incredible morning practice. It really isn't even meditating. Sometimes it's just like. I get up early so that I can, like, what are the plans? And just, you know, be quiet with myself. And then sometimes I don't do that for days, and then I have to, like, commit to someone, hey, I'm going to meditate for five minutes today because I haven't been alone with my thoughts in a month. Um, meditating is my least favorite thing <laughs> because I'm really mean to myself, and I'm still learning how not to be. Um, but it's also the thing I need the most. I heard someone say once, and I'm pretty sure this is, like, a famous quote, but uh, if you don't have five minutes to meditate, you need ten. And that's always been my experience, too. Like, the more resistance I have, the more I really need it. So I think it's right now, 
Anytime it occurs to me, I do it and I feel great. I wish it was more of a practice. But also for me, I'm like, part of my practice is not being a perfectionist. Uh, so, yeah, I also, I love to hike. It's my favorite thing about L.A. I hike a lot and I hike by myself a lot and that is meditative for me. It feels really, like, that is me with my higher power. Nature is such a big part of my higher power. So, um, that's definitely part of it, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm just a great, great Thank you so much. Thank um, you. Can you uh, talk about what clicked for you that had you give up your, um, your alcohol? Oh, okay. What clicked for me to get me to give up my alcoholic foods? I think for one, I was playing with them for a long time. Um, first, I gave up sugar. And really, that happened because I went through this phase where I was eating this sugar-free frozen yogurt from a famous place that everyone in L.A. knows. Uh, we've all been there. We've probably seen each other there. And it turned into this thing where I was like, well, it's only 60 calories. So I'm going to have it for lunch and dinner and a snack. And um, and that was me and abs- like that was my abstinence. I was abstinent, and I just it felt so insane. And then this is the really crazy thing that I did. I was there one night getting my dinner, uh, and uh, someone parked so close to my car that I couldn't even get in the driver's side. Like I couldn't even fit between our cars. I had to go around the other side, and I keyed their car because they like got in the way of me and my 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 dinner, my frozen yogurt dinner. And I got home, and I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Like, that's really crazy stuff. Like, that's insane, you know? Yeah, like, that's pretty – and I was – that's abstinent. That was my abstinence. Um, and so that's – I shortly after that, I, bro- I did break my abstinence officially. But um, that was a big thing where I was like, maybe sugar doesn't work for me. And also, this isn't even real sugar. It's the fake stuff, which is even worse because I feel like I can eat more of it because of the calorie, you know? And it was just that, like, this isn't sane technically whatever this is insane and so that that was a big piece of it but then I still was like but honey is natural uh and so I did that for another year and then it was the the conversation with the boyfriend where I was like I have the promises the promises are coming true for me left and right I can't I'm like tripping over them and all I want to do is is you know be able to eat honey um, so that was, yeah, it was just these things sort of getting thrown in my face where I was like, oh, right, I'm an addict. Poof. Over and over again. Go for it. Um, how, do you, how did you find the uh, need to deal with resentments? How did I find what? How did you find uh, how to deal with resentments? Ooh, how did I find how to deal with resentments? Well, as I said, I worked the steps five times. So I've done quite a few fourth and fifth steps. Um, I think the thing that I found, the more times I did the steps, the more I realized my own patterns. And my resentments are often based on my own fear of rejection. Like they have nothing to do with the other person or what they did. Often there wasn't anything done. Um, and, And so being able to see those patterns and recognize that often... Uh... It's just my my character defect, selfish, self-seeking, self-centered, afraid. Um, and I didn't, that didn't happen at first. You know, at first I keyed a car. Uh, but um, I think, yeah, working the steps, working the steps, seeing the patterns, letting that go, turning to my higher power, having a new experience. This set aside prayer. Um, so I think that's my time. Thank you so much.
All right. It is now time for our seventh tradition. While we have no dues or fees, we do have expenses for this meeting, and each group ought to be fully self-supporting through its own contributions. A suggested donation of $3 or more is the group conscious for this meeting. On the final Saturday of the month, we pass, we pass a second support your intergroup basket. Um, while our treasurer passes the baskets, uh, can a friend please read the 12 traditions? I'm going to use that. I'm a compulsive reader.